0: Hello, and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. My name is Nick Argiris, and this week I am looking for the best book to celebrate LGBT History Month. Guys, happy LGBTQ plus History Month. Happy History Month.
1: Now, what Joe just did is called virtue signaling. He added the Q and the plus to show that, Nick, he's better than you.
2: Right. Like, it was very passive. It was very aggressive, but, um, but picked up on. So
0: thank you ian
2: uh nick i hope you take it as a shot across your bow and we'll expect you to be on better behavior the rest of this episode
0: not to one-up you here joe but if we're gonna get actually uh correct oh boy. It's lgbtqia plus so eat shit i guess <laughs>
2: all right fair enough fair enough
0: this yeah. is great this is going great you guys are doing a really good job <laughs> Uh and oh, and to help me are two high school English teachers,
2: Ian and Joseph. Hi guys, my name is Joe Holeshoe. Uh, I am a high school English teacher. I'm an ally. Do you say you're an ally? And this week I think you should read the Song of Achilles to celebrate LGBTQ history month.
1: Uh good good afternoon, good morning, and good night. Oops. <laughs> You accidentally did a thing. Sorry, sorry. I start my I start my classes. I start all my classes. <laughs> Good morning, scholars. And so I almost called you guys scholars, oh, but you're not annoying. scholars. You're chuckleheads. Good afternoon, chuckleheads. My name is Doctor <laughs> Ian DeYoung. I am an Axis. Um, that's a little Axis Allies type joke.
0: There didn't land. Um, I'm sorry. I'm I was still stuck and- on the Jim Carrey reference. <laughs> Are we not going to talk about Truman Show or what? <laughs>
1: I think The Truman Show is extremely underrated. We should save that for our spinoff podcast, Three White Guys Talking About Movies. Yeah. Um, today, I'm going to talk about W.H. Uh, Auden's long poem, The Age of Anxiety, A Baroque Eclogue. And I am ready for you guys to scorn it. I don't care. May your
2: earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your shoulders.
0: Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at
1: all. This is what I think it's about. If you look closely enough, every author was <laughs> at something.
0: Audiobooks don't count, right? All art is quite useless. (laughs) Who who told you that? Fun fact, that is how Joe laughs. laughs.
2: That is, I mean, that really is the attitude of a lot of high school English classes, right? Like you have to go in with that armor. It's like, hey guys, here's something I love. I'm ready for you to score in it and I don't care.
1: But the thing is, I do care. I deeply, deeply care. Yeah.
2: You can't let the students know you care, though. It's like blood in the water.
1: Um, Nick. Yep. I, I can't really tell. Is there anything you like or love or enjoy?
2: <laughs> we haven't come across it yet.
1: <laughs> in general? Yeah, just like in, in the world. What do hey, you like? What do
0: you love? I'm a positive guy. I don't know what you're talking mm-hmm. about. Okay, but like what's one thing? That I love? Uh, yeah. <laughs> how, how, the beautiful fall weather. Great. So what if you... Yeah.
1: What if you... What if you got an alien and you said to that alien, "Hey, Blue bloob or whatever your name is, let me show you beautiful fall weather you've never seen it before." And they're like, "I hate it. It's stupid and the worst." And what's wor- what's more, it makes me like Earth less. Mm. That's how that's how we feel. <laughs> that's when how this
0: show is for you every week. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: are Blue bloob. The books are the fall weather. It's getting away from me.
0: Ian, did you just bring poems? <laughs> no one poem, one big poem it's a long oh poem. one big poem yep one big poem yep. well
1: i mean i mean if we're being if we're being specific it's a baroque eclogue. but
0: mm, you mentioned this last week now what is that you guys
1: <laughs> do you guys know the word baroque and no it's not that show called two baroque girls that's a different show
2: oh right Baroque. Baroque. it reminds me i i I have, I'm having this flashback to a music appreciation class mm-hmm. that I had to take you in bet. college. And mm-hmm. I feel like Baroque is really fancy or yep. really like yes. ornamental or yes. something.
1: Uh, on, oftentimes we see the word Baroque attached to a, uh, an, an era of music. So um, if you've ever heard of J.S. Bach or uh, Vivaldi or uh, fr- my my good friend, George Friedrich Handel, friend of the show, mm-hmm. um, kind of the show. they they write this music that is ornamental it's ornate uh it's complex it's intricate and oftentimes it kind of like it's it's just enjoyable it's pleasant it's it's surprising and powerful but also like fun it doesn't make you feel bad emotions it makes you feel like really good awesome happy emotions um examples of the baroque in art are artists like rubens uh and rembrandt probably the biggest name and vermeer so this is a kind of art which is um which is it's, it's pleasant. It's not challenging you or pushing you. It's delightful. So he applies this word Baroque to his eclogue, And it's kind of ironic because at this, at this time when, when the book came out, he, the word wasn't really like a positive thing. It was kind of a little bit negative. Like you would, you would, you would uh, drag sure. something by calling it Baroque. So it's kind of the self deprecating. Yeah, this is fun. This is ornamental. This is maybe not high art. Um, Easily accessible by the masses, more focused on feeling than like artisanship. But that's what he means by Baroque. Needlessly, needlessly fancy, but pleasantly so.
0: I, uh, so I think I, I think I wrapped my head around that. Okay. Perfectly. <laughs> what about you, Joe?
2: I, I, I knew it all coming in. Although I will say like when you say uh, Ezra Pound and you say T.S. Eliot, I'm like, oh, I totally know those two guys. Mm-hmm. And then when you say W.H. And I'm like, eh, I'm not sure I do know yeah, that. Heard one. of him. Yeah.
1: Well, Auden's one of these guys who the the critics of the time were were sort of um, some folks said he was better than Pound and Elliot. Some they were like, this guy is the best. And others were like, he is a traitor. He left England in 1939. He never went back. He's a chump. We don't like him. Get him out of here. He's trash. Right. Pound and Elliot are way better. So either you think he's the best of the three, or you think he's the worst of the three. There's no like he's never in the middle. Hey. Got it. Nick, are there any rules or is this just chaos?
0: It's just chaos this week. Nice autumn chaos. There are rules, Ian. Yes. Nice. There's three of them. Uh which we'll get to in just a second after I <laughs> welcome the litheads. Oh. Welcome litheads. Welcome litheads. lit litheads hey, lit to our. Weekly, or as we call it, strongly, strongly podcast, or every week we pick a theme, and uh Ian and Joe bring books and we battle it out, and uh, we do have a winner, of course. Mm, we pick important. a winning book slash poem slash memoir or whatever. We have some rules to keep us on track. Rule number one is only unavoidable spoilers, gentlemen. Going to be a real problem. Rule for number me this two week. is omit needless omit words, needless Joe. Words, Joe. <laughs> And rule number three: winning isn't everything. It's the only thing that makes Ian and Joe sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Vince Lombardi, as paraphrased by Nick Argyris, uh litheads, loyal litheads. You know, we also have shadow rules here. And as as the the days get shorter and the nights get longer and the shadows move across the lawn, it's especially a good time for these shadow rules. And they are, ooh, all six spooky. of them, as usual. Stop all the clocks. <laughs> Cut off the telephone, prevent the dog from barking with the juicy bone, silence the pianos, and with muffled drum bring out the coffin. And number six, let the mourners come.
0: Hey guys, I joined TikTok.
2: Oh, hey, congrats. Um, welcome to digital crack cocaine.
0: <laughs> it is a concerning, concerning mix of content that you get on TikTok these days. And I, by these days, I mean the first couple of days I've ever been on it.
2: Ian, you teach out of school for like, for like good and like, like good kids. Yes, morally, kids. morally
1: upstanding children. Yes.
2: Do kids at your school steal the soap dispensers from the bathroom because it's a TikTok <laughs> trend?
1: No. Um. <laughs> the the uh instru- the 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 principal sends around very serious emails about please don't do this. And then um, the kids have like hushed conversations in the hallways about what kind of monster would steal the soap dispensers in the middle of a pandemic. So Is this a thing? Oh, oh. At a, at a high
2: school up the road, at a, at a neighboring high Just, school. Okay,
1: should this show? Sorry, sorry, LGBTQ month. We're, we're shifting to Nick learns about TikTok. TikTok trends. <laughs> Look,
0: it's something we can all appreciate, but we got to know what the youths are doing because eventually they're going to come after us. Oh, eventually they're going to be
2: running this country. Oh, uh, yeah. So Nick, there's a trend on TikTok. It's actually a, a few weeks old right yeah, now. Like so for old. all of us, like really current <laughs> listeners, yeah. it, this is, we're just catching Nick up. So please bear with us. Um, right. there's a trend where you are, I think it's a progressive challenge where you steal the more and more audacious thing. So students at schools were stealing like um, soap dispensers from the bathroom or at the neighboring school, uh, a student stole all the doors out of the bathroom, including the bathroom door, like the exterior bathroom door. So the trend is thievery. The the trend is larceny.
1: Well, and then supposedly... The thing about this is there's, there's, it's always unclear whether there's like some kind of satanic panic going on or not, because the supposedly the next one is, the next one is slap a teacher and like, no, I don't know if that's real.
0: Like it could be real guys. Or I'll it be could honest. Be, after my first couple, couple days on TikTok, this is not surprising because <laughs> <laughs> like this tracks entirely. We're going to talk about books and some Joseph. I fucking yeah. hope so. Joseph, can you <laughs> Joe, Joe? Neck, neck, neck. Your time has already started. You have like 10 I, I, seconds I, left. Oh, my
2: God. Nick, Achaeon, best of the Greeks. I come to you today with a song of your people. You've heard of Achilles. You've heard of Odysseus. You've heard of Agamemnon. Maybe you haven't. Well, now you get to know them, but not in that weird, stilted way that Homer talks about them. Instead, you get to, like, hang out with their thoughts and feelings and see them do cool and cunning and heroic and petty things. Nick, you will love Song of Achilles. Madeline Miller, 2012, 378, blistering fast pages.
0: Interesting, Joe. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to know more about this book. It seems less direct for our theme, but uh, mm. that hasn't stopped us in the past. <laughs> that, that, I just, I just I want to comment
1: that I heard the blatant pandering and I am mm-hmm. not here for it. I am. I am. Nick,
2: be- I would like to let you know that the the Greek phrase I use, which you know, Nick, be fluent in the language, uh, "Aristo uh, which is it. It means best of the Greeks,
0: Nick, and that's what I called you. If you're uh-huh. wondering,
2: Nick, you're the, you're the best Greek I know.
0: I love it. I love what you just said so much, and I will accept this pandering. Yes. <laughs> Joe, you know, uh, Ian, I'm ready. I'm ready to be complimented okay. on the night, <laughs> on the
1: night of November 2nd, perhaps in the year 1944, four stra- strangers gather in a Manhattan bar. Quant, Malin, Emble and Rosetta strike up a conversation first on superficial topics, then on deeper themes. They grow closer together. They share a dream quest. They stage a wedding at Rosetta's apartment. They go their separate ways. The Age of Anxiety is W.H. Auden's longest poem, a reflection on disappointment and confusion and modernity and
0: hope. Are there going to be a lot of things I have to remember in both of your books? Mm, yeah. I'm just going to call yours a book, Ian. Yeah, that's fine. It is a book. Um, no. My- what is the form of yours? Uh, it's a poem. Well, I mean, no. Y- yes. I'm a little yes, confused. But,
1: but, but like we would say a memoir is You know a-
0: what? No. You, no, Hey, no, <laughs> no. No, no, no. Uh-huh. Go first. You're going first. I have too many questions. <laughs> Let's just get it all out. Okay. All right. B- Baroque poems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those names Staging you said quickly that I don't yeah. remember. Well, I think Rosetta Stone was one of them. <laughs> the, Rosetta, Rosetta is correct. Yes, yeah, good. The, um, the the names don't super
1: matter. Um, I like your.
0: The, I like it already. <laughs> no, I know. I
1: <laughs> know. Well, like I, I read. So I finished reading this, and I was like, I've got to. Um, I've got to process this. Mm-hmm. I finished it several days ago and I was just like, I have to like digest this. So I read a lot of criticism on it. And a lot of the criticism said, yeah, Auden tries to give these people different voices, but they are, they kind of run together. It's kind of all his voice. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have four. There are four moderns, four modern people. And they are people living in the new world, the the modern world, the, the, and it's the end of world war two Um, things are changing. The bomb hasn't been dropped, but it's going to be dropped very soon. Um, So we we have one woman, Rosetta. Um, She's Jewish. She's a department store buyer. I don't know what that is. The forties. She kind of deals with her Jewish identity as Nazis are busy, genociding Jewish people uh, across the pond. Um, This shows up in her, in her, her, her part of the poem. Um, But she's kind of the only one who really has a concrete identity um, there's a very young man who's a sailor emble. Um, there's an older man who is um, a veteran in the Canadian armed forces and he's like seen some stuff and he's trying to make sense of it. And then there's a civilian quant and he's the oldest and he's kind of cynical and he's kind of like um, seen seen the world and, and understands um, the way that history tends to change. But really the focus is like Auden has things to say about the modern world. He wonders like, what does it mean to be modern? What does it, are, are we living in a utopia or a dystopia? Are we about to become a utopia or are about we be a, are we about to become a dystopia? And he
0: kind Where's of Where's my flying car? is what he's saying basically. phrase.
1: Yeah, he, he's afraid he's afraid of the lo- uh, that it's going to be a dystopia. He would not want to read George Packers uh Unwinding <laughs> book. Yeah, if he if he time traveled, he would be in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um I'm going to read you a, 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 a go go no, ahead. hold on.
0: We're, I feel we're a bit too deep. I'm 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 lost already so (laughs) okay uh, so we have an ensemble cast i love it um Uh is this a book or a poem (laughs) it's always amazing what nick gets hung up on
2: isn't he (laughs) well you're explaining
0: like a a plot type scenario and i find that to be strange yes it is not that i'm some sort of poem
1: expert or anything (laughs) This is not the, I I, I dig, I understand why you would think this is strange, Nick, because it is a little bit strange. Um, Maybe I'll, maybe I'll start, I'll start with the eclogue. I told you about Baroque earlier. Um, Baroque is ornamental. It's ornate. It's intricate. It's fun. It's it's enjoyable, enjoyable, Um, more about feeling it's accessible, but this is a Baroque eclogue and this will help you understand kind of whether it's a poem or a book. Um, The answer to that is yes, by the way, it's both. Uh, an eclog is a poetic style, which is pretty old. It, it goes back a good long way to the, to the Greeks and Romans. And it is a dialogic. It's a dialogue poem. It's kind of focused on discourse on conversation. Usually it's uh, either located in like sheep pastures and shepherds are talking to each other about how beautiful these shepherdesses are. That's one option, or it's kind of more broadly in response to a place. So the book has characters like an eclogue does. And the characters talk to each other. Um, There's dialogue and there's a lot of rambling in this poem. People thinking, people kind of singing, people talking, kind of making speeches, people responding to each other. So yeah, there is a plot. It's a long poem that kind of has a plot. It's not just Auden yelling for 138 pages about how scary atomic bombs are. It's it's him using these different characters to work through different ideas about what humanity, what what is what is the human, and what do people want, and are we heading down towards an unwinding by George Packer?
0: Okay, that's that's pretty interesting. I didn't know there was ty- uh, poems with uh, more structure like that, so that's interesting. Oh yeah, so it's it's v- it's very structured, and and it's um it's it's cool
1: how it changes its shape based on where the action is set. So it's got six parts. And the first part is at the bar in this, in this, in this, um, in this bar, it's it's at the bar. It's in a bar. Uh, Then they move. It's in a bar. Mm -hmm. It's in a bar. Um, And specifically like it's them meeting, uh, being introduced to us, the readers and also to each other. And then they kind of start, they strike up a conversation and they move to a booth together. And they're talking there about like, how human beings have a way of getting older and then they all fall asleep and have a dream quest together. They have a shared dream what? and then they wake up. That sounds yeah, crazy. And that it's, sounds crazy. It's now a little bit out of this. the <laughs> blue. Well, yeah. So like you're, you're kind of with them for the first two parts and then you get to the third part and you're like, Oh, well, I, I'm sorry. What? I, I had to stop and go back and reread the end of the second part to say like, why are they in a dream quest? But mm-hmm. they are, um, they wake up, And then they kind of walk back to Rosetta's apartment and while they're there, they go back to her apartment and, um, the young man Emble kind of, he says he's fallen in love with her. They do this kind of whimsical wedding where they pledge their love to each other. The older men leave and Rosetta's like, okay, Emble, let's go. And she goes back inside and he's fallen asleep. Um, Passed out from too much alcohol, and yeah. so the the, the 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 story goes through these places, and each place has a different kind of poetic style or poetic form or rhythm. So depending on where in the physical world these characters are, they're doing poetry differently. They sound different, which I think is kind of cool. So so bar booth dream
2: quest apartment <laughs> wedding sleep.
1: Uh, Yes. Up until the dream quest, after the dream quest, they, they walk together through the streets uh, to her apartment. Streets. So there's kind of the streets. Yep. Um, then they're in her apartment and then there's kind of like the fracturing where they all sort of got it leave. So, so, so like, like, okay, uh, this, this, this is, this is going to have to, both of you are, are old men now. So you probably don't go out to bars every night, but remember back to the days, days when you did, when you were kind of sitting, like when you went to a bar by yourself or you were at the bar by yourself, um, you would have kind of different sorts of conversations with people than if you were with a group of close friends kind of huddled in a, in a a booth at the back away from this, like the the speakers of the band, like there are different ways you have different ways of relating depending on where you are physically in the world. When you're walking with someone, you talk to them differently from when you're sitting on their couch, drinking a glass of wine. Mm -hmm. So he's, he's yes. Yes. They're symbolic, but also he's very aware that like, Different social situations they have different, different rhythms, different uh, con- what, we, what, we might, what we might call discourse conventions. The way, you, the way you hold a conversation at the bar is different from how you hold a conversation on your friend's couch drinking wine.
2: Which is why the poetic form shifts as you go through Exactly, yeah.
1: exactly. So he's like, these people sound different depending on where, where they go. Um,
0: so that's all interesting. What is this, what's the poem about?
1: Yeah. So um I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna read a, a passage. Um one of the first one of the first reviews of this, uh came out in 47. One of the first reviews of this was in Harper's magazine. Um and this is not available online. I had to track down a hard copy of oh, this at, at my local library. It's incredible. Hey, that's it's, pretty good. And like looking through looking through this bound copy of 1947 uh era uh, Magazines like literary magazines is incredible. Uh, Litheads, I would encourage you to to find a way to do this because there are like there are ads that are advertising the Hotel Cleveland and um like letters to the editor accusing so and so of being a communist. It's great. It's very it's very different. So
2: that's pretty good. This that most exotic this is of, the, def,
1: of destinations, Hotel Cleveland. I know. <laughs> it's a great. It's a it's great. Um. If you follow me on Instagram folks, I'll uh, I'll I'll repost that. Uh it's on my story. Um so this is this is the the uh, a section of the review and, and this is one of the reviews that really helped this book take off because it was published and uh Auden was kind of in a lull. He hadn't published very much and um Jacques Barzun has this just glowing review in an important uh, uh magazine, the the Harper's Magazine. Barzun says This is not to say that the Age of Anxiety preaches or teaches. It is a philosophical poem as Hamlet is. Its purport, or rather its preoccupation, is stated in these lines about man. And then Barzun quotes from the poem. I'm going to read this slowly because it's complex. But this is is the crux of what this poem is about. Thank you. I had to read it slowly (laughs) so I could understand it. So this is not, I'm not pandering here at all. That field of force where he feels, he thinks, his past, present, presupposing death must ask what he is in order to be and make meaning by omission and stress, avid of elseness. All that exists matters to man. He minds what happens and feels he is at fault. A fallen soul with power to place to explain every what in his world, but why he is neither God nor good. This guilt, his insoluble final fact, infusing his private nexus of needs, his noted aims with incomprehensible, comprehensive dread at not being what he knows that before this world was, he was willed to become. So in English, he's saying, human beings know our potential. We know what we could be. We know the heights that we could rise to, and we see ourselves failing, and we deal with the disappointment of that, the fear of not achieving what we could, the possibility that maybe I'm not going to live up to my dreams. Maybe I'm not going to achieve the destiny that I imagined to be my own. And this is, according to this poem, like a universal human condition.
0: Okay. (laughs) (laughs)
1: jeez ian that's very deep
2: for the podcast that's a lot to ask for us to to process the lit heads to process yeah help
1: us process it's weird because like this poem this poem kind of flits back and forth between these moments of like kind of crushing philosophical complexity and very simple straightforward stuff there's a whole passage in the wedding scene where um they're singing to each other and uh if you're paying, if you're not paying close attention, you'll just think that, uh, Emble, who is the, the young man who falls in love and then falls asleep. You're, you're thinking that he he's just, he's just kind of like singing some pretty songs, but you look more closely and his sort of beautiful highfalutin imagery of love and adoration is in reality, extremely body, like ext- like so, so body. When you kind of stop and parse out, like, wait, he's, he's saying what he's going to do what? Oh my goodness. Um, it makes you, it makes you kind of blush twice. First in embarrassment that you didn't figure out what was happening. And then like, Oh my goodness, they're doing what? So it's got this like, yes, it's, yes, it's, um, it's dense, but then he just kind of bounces off into these campy moments or these hilarious moments where you're just like, it's, it's fun. It's funny. It's just funny sometimes.
0: What's, uh, how many pages is this?
1: It's 138. Oof. Which, yeah, so That's like a big
0: poem. That's it's people, a, it's people, a big poem, but can a we little just poem. state the obvious a little here, Ian? This is yep. a, a beefy, girthy thing that you just brought to, uh, to this podcast. Is this <laughs> are you something? Trying to, yes. Are you trying to be like W. H. Auden with your description? He's distribution? trying to be body right now. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> this it's really funny because because this it's. It's long for a poem, but it's really short for a book. (laughs) That's true.
2: That's true. That's a pretty little book. That's That's one of the little books we've read.
0: Ian, why'd you bring this book for for our our month here, LGBT? I'm also wondering that. Ian, I also um, demand to know. Yes, to to, we to, want to to
1: to justify this, let me let me talk about W H Auden himself. Uh, do I have your permission to do that, please? Uh, just this once. Thank you. So, um W H Auden was uh as I mentioned, one of the one of the lions of sort of um Anglophone poetry throughout the throughout the 20th century as a whole. Uh Auden was gay and um he He sort of, he was living in a time when you could like people knew you didn't really like necessarily you, there weren't pride parades, but like, he didn't really hide it so much. It's, it's a really interesting, I mean, he wasn't in danger necessarily of being like prosecuted for this. Um, but also he, he wasn't, wasn't like flaunting it. Um, so he, he was a really complicated person. Um, I would say that I hmm how to say this. I would say that I have read works by LGBTQ authors, which are particularly interested in the LGBTQ experience. And I've read works that are kind of not so focused on it. I think this is the latter. Um, there's a possibility that one of these characters is gay uh in in the book um like he, there there are there are hints that that he is intended to kind of have an affection for another male character but it, it's not really a book about like these characters as lgbtq identifiers it's more like he's um auden auden was gay and, and that's why i brought it um i i really love auden he's a brilliant poet and i really i really wanted to read something big of his so um, this is another excuse book. I'm sorry, but I really liked it. S- Auden was great. He he studied, um he studied at, uh at Oxford under a uh, friend of the show, J.R.R. Tolkien. And as a matter of fact, he reviewed <laughs> Auden, reviewed uh, Lord of the Rings for the New York times. So when the New York times needed someone to review Lord of the Rings favorably, I hope. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's so nice. So his review of the fellowship of the ring is kind of like, Kind of summarizey, but then in Return of the King, when he reviews Return of the King, he just lets it go. He's like, "I am going to do a full-on literary critical analysis of this, and it's great." Um, I would I would strongly encourage lit heads to to check that out. Um, you can find it for free online. Um, so Auden, like Auden's life was was uh, life and character are interesting. Um, he left. England, he was born in England and raised there, left in 1939, just before the war started. And he never went back to live there. So people thought, like, Auden's the great, next great Ameri- uh, uh, British poet. And then he left. Oh, no. And they're like, "Oh, you well, son of a like, gun. Auden, we hate you now. Well, let's also
2: be clear. Like, you, you're talking about, like, well, he, you know, didn't exactly hide it, you know, but he was never in danger of being persecuted. Like, he left England, you know, and, and I'm just thinking this is during the war. I'm thinking of Alan Turing, who is, like, famously chemically castrated sure. after the war, despite being a war hero. So sure. I'm mean, like, I think there might be some danger of being prosecuted, right? Or persecuted. maybe
1: I may possibly I, I didn't, I didn't, I, the, 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 biographies I read didn't suggest that necessarily though. It, it always could be, um, my sense of his leaving was much more like he was getting kind of, kind of locked in. He was getting kind of not, that's the wrong word. Kind of, kind of set in his ways when he was in England he was like, I want to go to New York. New York is fresh. New York is different. Yeah. Um, he was um, yeah. London is old. England's old. <laughs> it is. Um, he was uh, like Eliot was, like T. S. Eliot was. He was thoroughly invested in Christianity. He was an Ang- Anglican for a while, and then left, and then came back to it. And his poems kind of deal with this, um, deal with this stuff, uh, deal with Christian themes and uh, ideas and imagery. Um, he kind of played around with being uh, converting to Judaism um decided not to but he was like yeah I, I can give it a shot one of the big one of the big deals for auden is uh all, allusion uh, auden is really invested in in uh the with an a uh, or i a a, oh, good a question. not Illusion. i it's a really good question do you know
0: what allusion with an a is um it's i don't know hugh jackman's in it though
2: <laughs> the allusion That know. would be a movie. The most pretentious movie on the planet. <laughs> uh
1: allusion is when you're like r- explicitly referencing the the words of somebody else, uh usually a previous literary text uh or a classical text in your um in your in your work. So um ready player one is an example of just a ton of shameless allusion. So um he does this in a variety <laughs> of different ways. <laughs> well,
2: it is like it's heavy handed. A lot of times it's more subtle and things like that. Actually, Nick, you see like this in rap music all the time. Yes. Right. Like when, when Kanye West builds a song on top of a yeah. 1960s R&B beat, like that is an allusion to what came yeah. before him. That is awesome to listen to. But if you're like well versed in the music and like you're a, a kind of music historian, you get like this
1: extra little story yeah. out of it. This extra meaning. Right. It's, it's like, it's like sampling. So I'm going to give you a couple of of examples of this. Um, One of them is, is very simple. Auden was teaching a long course uh, at a university in New York on Shakespeare while he was writing this poem and he hated it. Apparently he was like, this is the worst. The teaching, this is horrible, but Shakespeare shows up throughout this poem, Um, kind of little little name drops, little things here and there that reference Shakespeare. Um, So as I mentioned, he was very invested in Christianity and um, considering converting to Judaism. Um, he was, he knew, uh, the, the Bible really well. So he drops he, his, 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 his character Rosetta, um, who has a Jewish heritage. She has this long monologue towards the end where she's kind of reflecting on what it means to live as a religious person in the world. And she has this passage where she says, if though I fly to wall street or publishers row, or pass out, or submerge in music, or marry well, marooned on riches. He'll be right there with his eye upon me. Um, his being capitalized, so this is a reference to God. Mm. And I didn't catch that's this until know. I read the criticism. Nick, that's how you know. Yes, right. Yeah, that's how. You I know. didn't. I didn't catch this until I read the criticism, which is which points that this is a direct like ripoff of uh, Psalm one thirty nine. If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. So she is citing the, the passages that she is familiar with as a Jewish person that we who might or might not know this reference still pick up on these kind of biblical rhythms. Um, so that's one way he, one way he does allusion. There is a form of, uh, of poetry which is used heavily in medieval poetry, poetry from the Middle Ages, in Middle English, which is similar to English, modern English, but not quite the same. And this is alliterative verse. And alliterative verse does not rhyme. Uh, its big thing is alliteration, where you've got words that begin with the same letter, kind of close to each other. And every line of alliterative verse has this midline break. So the, the, this is an extremely old-sounding and old-looking literary form and here's Auden using this literary form to talk about what modernity humanity in modernity so um this is where i'll I'll leave you guys this is a a passage which um where emble the young the young sailor is talking about uh some of his anxieties about uh uh, living as living as a, a growing a growing up person in this world he says why leave out the worst pang of youth And sorry, as I read this, listen for alliteration. Listen for the midline break. I'll read it into it. Why leave out the worst pang of youth? The princes of fiction, who ride through risks to rescue their loves, know their business, are not really as young as they look. To be young means to be all on edge, to be held waiting in a packed lounge for a personal call from long distance for the low voice that defines one's future. The fears we know are of not knowing. Will nightfall bring us some awful order? Keep a hardware store in a small town. Teach science for life to progressive girls. It is getting late. Shall we ever be asked for? Are we simply
0: not wanted at all? This guy seems troubled. (laughs) It's not happy. (laughs) It's not happy. (laughs) I'll say that. You know, Ian, it takes a brave man to bring poetry to this. (laughs) To a book podcast. (laughs) To a book podcast. (laughs) It it takes an even braver man to read that poetry. (laughs) Well...
1: Oh, I think oh, I think yeah, part of the the value of this this particular of of Auden's work is the way it sounds. So, thought you guys should hear it, guys. I have news for you, <laughs> Joe. Do you want to take that again and say guys and ghouls? Shit.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the the fans are pretty excited. Um, they've been waiting all year long for Spooktacular two. Well, wait, Nick. Uh, we've had Spooktacular. We've had
2: Spectacular Two, which you'll recall oh, of course was a Christmas Carol, a ghost story of Christmas.
0: Uh, this is Spooktacular Three. That's right. I forgot about I forgot about the sequel. It's you know <laughs> <laughs>
1: Too Spook Two Tacular. <laughs> it's sequels are tough. So Joe, what are you thinking of for this Spectacular? Do you have any ideas? Guys,
2: I think that for this week's Spooktacular Three Halloween, we should bring Ghost
1: Riders. Oh it's my gosh, good. that got
2: me. You got me, dude.
1: <laughs> yeah. Woo.
2: Spooky. So yeah, I, I think we should bring ghostwriters this week. Ghostwriting is, of course, uh, uh, it's all around us, mm. and you can't mm-hmm. see it. Yeah. That's that's how it's. Has
1: spooky. Nicolas Cage ever written a book? Oh my gosh, I'm sure. <laughs> and it is verifiably bonkers
0: I mean, it has to be i don't like your tone
1: no I'm, i that,
0: I said that with respect and love uncaged the biography of nicholas cage <laughs> amazing <laughs> title <laughs> <laughs> fuck whatever books you guys are gonna bring cage match
1: uh for next week's for next week's episode i'm going to bring a reader recommendation or a listener sorry a listener recommendation This has a, uh, the title of this book, you guys are probably going to mock, but I don't care. It's called The Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. And it's a great book. And it was ghostwritten in mysterious circumstances. I'm bringing a familiar face. Um, I'm bringing Nancy
2: Drew with me next week. And the quest, Nick, of the missing map. One of the best Nancy Drews. One of the spookiest Nancy Drews. And written, written, but not written by Carolyn Keene, who Nick is not a real person. Uh, We'll get into it next week. All right, Nick, I brought a book you're really going to love, but more importantly, I have brought a game this week. I love it, Joe, and I'm excited
0: to hear about Greek people and play your game.
2: Okay, Nick, earlier you talked about your love of fall weather. We
0: all remember it. I think we all remember where we were.
2: That Nick, there are also other things in your life that you love. So, for example, you might love fall weather. You might love a good whiskey. You might love your daughter. But I would say that the love that you feel for those things is different. You would use the word love for mm-hmm. all of them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But, the, but you feel differently about them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Nick, This is something that we aren't great at delineating. Like we aren't great at like distinguishing. We just say, I love a good whiskey. I love my wife. I love the show Ted Lasso. I love my daughter, right? Um, Make make it simple. That's it. Nick, I want you to try, and Ian, I I would invite you to participate in this game. Thank you for the invitation. I want you to try to name the different types of love and to be clear you don't have to give me like the name for it because these all have like like wonky Greek names that I don't expect you to know but instead I just want you to tell me like okay I love my daughter and that feels different than my love of fall weather right so like just tell me things that you love in different ways and I want to see how many of these we can get. Nick does that sound fun?
0: Uh, this sounds like a game that Jigsaw would bring <laughs> 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 oh. From the movie Jigsaw. <laughs> I don't think
2: is that is that the name of that movie? <laughs>
0: uh what? You want me to name things I love? Like in okay. the list a list okay. format? Is this a game? Nick, before you what answer to this game Joe this?
1: Joe. I've seen a lot of these online where it's like a meme where it says, LOL, your 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 band, your band name is your four digits of your social security number and the street you live on. Uh, is this one of those are you catfishing nick i don't think this is catfishing (laughs) is this a tiktok trend okay so so nick
2: (laughs) i guess you love fall weather you love your daughter those two loves are different can you name something that you love in a different way than you love fall weather or your daughter
0: oh i see uh yes uh made uh, ribs joe okay
2: your love of ribs yes the Greek have the Greeks have a name for. Okay. Okay.
0: Mm,
2: I just don't super know what
0: it is right now. <laughs> I love the, I love this game so much. It's this like m- when you're
1: wandering around a map in a in an RPG
0: and you get to the edge <laughs> of it and you're like, I can see there's something over there, but I can't go over there. I love that. Um, I love how bold this episode is. Uh, Ian brings poetry and Joe doesn't bring a game. Joe invents a game.
2: (laughs) I promise you that I have. I have have eight different Greek words in front of me right now. Okay. all have definitions. I feel like love of ribs must be in here somewhere, but I
0: don't see it. So let me just um, immediately improve your game real quick. Okay. Yep. Uh, Yep. You have eight types of love eight types of love. maybe Ian e and i could ian and i could uh just guess what those are sure
2: but i think okay sure whatever love it fine let's play your stupid <laughs> game
0: i think
1: one kind of love
2: this game is called eight types of love with ian and i Ed. think
1: one kind of love is like friend friendly or brotherly love like a like a phileo kind of thing like just like bro- broing down ian's ian's just gonna show off this whole time nick i think he's gonna That's, suck to play this
0: game with
2: yeah okay. so so of of course, like Philia, uh, Philadelphia is brotherly love. That's not love. very
0: nice, Joe.
2: <laughs> yeah, there is like the love that you feel for your brother, like a love between
0: equals. Like a Philadelphian yeah. love.
2: Like a Philadelphian yep. love. That
0: Awesome. Okay. Awesome. Ian, You're thank welcome. you. Nick? I was going to say a love for ribs, but that's clearly out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's on here. I just don't know what it is.
0: Food? There's no... How about sens- sensual love?
2: <laughs> Ooh, like like erotic love, Nick. Yeah,
0: erotic. I'm gonna go for erotic love. Yeah. Hey, hey, awesome. hey Nick, Nick. Can you please can you
1: please recut the uh, the intro thing where people are saying things and just have the, have Joe sing erotic love over and over?
0: <laughs> Ooh, erotic love. Nobody yeah, wants. Do that.
1: a couple takes of it.
0: People want that less than they want this game <laughs> right now. <laughs>
2: Uh, eros is an erotic love um nick i'm also you know how on jeopardy they go to the board and they're like oh you said this thing and oh yeah said oh it was jeopardy wrong. yeah that with that game right <laughs> so i'm gonna give you storage nick uh which is uh, like if you say like you love your country or you love the packers that's that type of love and i'm gonna say that that is your love of ribs so yeah, Nick, two points to one. Uh, Ian, it is your turn. <laughs>
1: um, I don't know, like, like a, like a sort of a uh, family, family type love. Like, mm, we, can you get a drill down a little bit more into family like for me? The kind, like the kind of love. You, I wouldn't bro down with my son, and I don't love him like I love ribs. And it's obviously not a neurotic love. <laughs> it's just like uh, sacrificial. Like I would, I would give, I would, I would, I would, I would like give a lot to make sure he was safe and okay yeah like a yeah
2: you got the top answer on the board if this was family feud you got the number one answer this is a it is the love that we have for a child it's also used by christians to talk about like the love that god mm-hmm. has for mm-hmm. all of his children and it's like you you've nailed it it's unconditional it's selfless it's it's that type of love uh mm. nick the easy ones are gone. The top four have been eliminated off my list. Uh, there are four remaining.
0: Are these like a sense? Like, uh, okay, maybe an example would have been good to just point us in the right direction because well, I am a little said, lost right I said like now. you
2: love your but daughter, maybe, not like you love
0: fall. That's. Uh, do you want a better example than that? Yeah, but it sounds like you're looking for types of love that are more thematic. So I'm going to say like a, uh, like a love, like an appreciation. Hmm. Like uh, a love that you show for things you appreciate. Um, it's like I
2: appreciate my country. I appreciate the Packers. I appreciate ribs. I appreciate fall weather. Like a fine fall day. I, I think. <laughs> I think you. Are, and I think we already gave you a point for
0: that one, Nick. When we okay. gave you a point for storage. <laughs> like um. Okay. Yep. That's well, fair. All right,
2: I- Ian. Want to take another crack? A and
0: remember, in this game, Ian, you can get as many wrong as you want because it's not a real game.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Stop being mean to my game, guys. What game? <laughs> <laughs> guessing? <laughs> Joe brought a guessing game with no parameters.
2: Oh. <laughs> All right. I'm just going to... I don't do know, I have like, like sarcastic,
1: like, like oh, wow, case. I sure love that. I don't know. I, I'm kind of out. Oh. <laughs> I love this I love game. this game.
2: <laughs> Um, the, the other ones that I have that the Greeks would have identified as totally different things are Philotia, which is Nailed a love it. for oneself. Oh, sure. Um, it can be like a basic human necessity or else like it can progress into vanity, right? Like, like, a like a kind of a toxic love for oneself.
0: This is very Greek. Very Greek. Nick, <laughs> if you is, like Greek, you'll love is, the word Xenia. This is very Greek right now. <laughs> Uh, And of course, all of these loves are also sins. (laughs) 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 And you're going to hell. Uh, And and Nick, finally,
2: Xenia is the love for strangers. Hospitality plays a big role in the Odyssey. Mm. I'm going to go ahead and say maybe the Iliad too. um, But yeah, Xenia, love for strangers. Hospitality uh, includes generosity, gifts, exchange, reciprocity. Oh, there's a couple there's a couple later additions, but I think this game has run its course. You're welcome for the amazing. I think game. we should do a
0: lot more of this. <laughs> so, Joseph, lots of type of love. Sounds like. Right. Nick. Love for ribs.
2: <laughs> love for fall. Love life. for a
0: beautiful fall day. <laughs> love for Ian's son. Erotic <laughs> love. <Gosh>. No. <laughs> Stop. Oh <Good> God. <laughs> All right.
2: Nick, this matters because hey, um when, yeah, Why does this, la, where are we last going week? here,
0: Joe, on, on this <laughs> voyage?
2: Well, last week, when, when we tasked ourselves, when we gave ourselves the challenge of bringing a book for LGBTQ plus Celebration Month, um, I, I didn't have one that came to mind. So I, as we were speaking, was Googling frantically for these lists, right? Like, like, hey, give me some LGBTQ books. Like, what have I heard? Right. What have I read? Et cetera, right?
0: Because, and because I'm sure it goes without saying, we're not qualified to talk about this at all. No. But we're going to do it anyway. We're, we're going to do our best. We're not qualified to talk about anything. No. that Exactly. <laughs> so I'm,
2: I'm Googling frantically, and this book kept coming to the top of the list, and it's a book that I had heard a lot about, a book that, a book that I had seen students read quite a bit, and it's a book by Madeline Miller called The Song of Achilles. Uh, it was an easy grab. I, I snagged it. I was happy to get it. It was a book that I was interested in reading anyway, and Ian said offhand, well, I'm not sure if that counts, right? I- Ian- mm, Gatekeeping. We, uh, Yeah, famous gatekeeper. Ian, do you want to talk about like <laughs> why why that doesn't What's count? Because I think this is a pretty interesting conversation, if you remember this. I don't
1: want to I you on the spot. I don't remember saying that, and I don't know that I would because I had a student write a paper about the Song of Achilles, which was really focused on like how it's explicitly- an LGBT text. So this yeah. is, oh, okay. I, uh, it, if I said that here, here, I'll, I'll say this. If I said that I was being purely a troll, <laughs> just trying to throw you off your game. And apparently it didn't work. Or it just super did.
0: <laughs> and it gave us a long <laughs> game, which wasn't a game. Are you trying to get us live on the air, both through games and through LGBTQ uh, um, scenarios? <laughs> no, no, I'm not trying to get either of you. I'm sorry. It's, I'm just
2: trying to defend my choice because when I chose it, I chose it blindly, right? I chose it because it showed up on lists and Google I didn't know you anything too. about it. Um, when I read it, though, I was surprised. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't have been to find a very explicit love story uh, between two men, right? Like, this book is 375 pages long, and the first third of it is these two men uh, Achilles, who is not really a man, he's, he's part man, part god, and Patroclus, uh, this, this normal dude. I mean, I guess he is like a king's son, but he's exiled and all this stuff, um, falling in love with one another. And it starts out um it identified as kind of like this comrade in arms love as Achilles um favors him above all the other young men in in their camp. Um but it turns into an erotic love, and an explicitly erotic love told in a really like tender and and loving way. Um so that's why I brought this book this week. I say <laughs> 13 minutes
0: into my time. <laughs> mm-hmm. and one really fun game. Um Joseph, um yes. wh- wh- tell me g- can before we uh jump in here, um as they say, uh what what uh when was who wrote this book? What's it uh when was it? What is this book? Yep, yeah.
2: So this book is The Song of Achilles. It's written by a woman named Madeline Miller. And Madeline Miller is uh, she's just like Nick, I don't know if you've met people like this. Ian, I bet you know a bunch of them. She's like a classics dork.
0: The best kind of dork. I don't know what you mean.
1: Well, you've got two kinds. You've got your um, alt-right neo-Nazi classics dork who knows way too much (laughs) about Roman history. And he can speak Latin, but only to like order the legions to go conquer the barbarians. And he's very awkward to be mm -hmm. in the same room as. And it's almost always a guy. Then you've got the other kind of classic stork who isn't so ideological, but they just they obviously they know Latin and Greek, and they tell you this and they know like they yeah. they can say things in Greek, but not like modern Greek, but like old Greek, and they share mm-hmm. facts like, did you know the statues were originally painted bright colors, and they just they generally make you feel like mm-hmm. they used to yeah, have you'll arms. never you'll never know as much about the classics as they do, and that means you're a morally and constitutionally inferior person right like you
2: are not made of carved of the same marble as they are uh as it were. Are they all I, greek? N- well no they're not all greek but they all wish they were <laughs> um, they sound greek <laughs> <laughs> no these are the people that go to college and they get a degree in like ancient greek and then they get a, a minor in latin right like okay. like they get
0: a degree in class what's wrong with that nothing at all in fact oh, that's just who we are alienating got it yes okay.
1: i think the difference between uh a, a, a nerd and a dork is that a dork like it becomes their only character trait like that they are they are just classics dork <laughs> they have nothing else that they sure really get into well i'm not
2: trying to disparage madeline miller here she's maybe a nerd and not a dork that's she true. maybe that's has true. other interests i don't know her um, but but like she's just super into classics. She's like a classics teacher. She teaches Greek, she teaches Latin, she teaches Shakespeare, I, I, which is not exactly related, but kind of in the same vein, right? Um and, and she rewrote <laughs> the song. I'm sorry. She rewrote large parts of the Iliad in an in a modern and accessible way. Huh. It, I guess Nick, it, it bears asking. What do you know about the Iliad? Like, do you, know, do you know the story? Have you seen Troy with Brad Smith? Like, or like, er, Brad, Brad Smith. <laughs> Brad, Brad, well Brad,
0: known Brad Smith. Got- Frank Pitt. He's one of my favorites, too. Um. Well, I know that what we're talking about now would have been a much better place to start this <laughs> book description. I,
2: I, I like starting with a game.
1: <laughs> game and huge scare quotes.
0: All right. Can, can can? let's just pause and take a breath because I'm not sure what we've even accomplished yet. Go for um, it. It sounds to me like we Joe just brought established a poem. That- <laughs> <laughs> I, I would Holy like to buckets. be very clear this is not a poem. But it used to be. Um, okay, so your book <laughs> is uh, a portion of the Iliad rewritten to be modern. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yep. Right? Yep, you got it. It discusses uh, uh, the different types of love or at least it covers that. Mm-hmm. Um, and... We hate the author. No, no, no,
2: no, no, no. <laughs> the first two were really good. We know nothing about the author, except that she's probably a dork because she teaches classics and everybody. Gotcha. I took a lot of Latin in college. I haven't talked about this much. It's a large... Joe, you don't impressed. have time to talk about it. You've
0: <laughs> wasted all of your time um, on so many other things. Joseph. Yes. God, I love you. Um, and I mean that like the ribs way. Um. <laughs> <laughs> What what is this book about? <laughs> Joseph, Joseph, the feeling
1: <laughs> I have for you God. is Xenia, the love for strangers.
2: <laughs> okay. Nick, this book I, I'm gonna give you like the quickest plot synopsis I can here. I
0: okay, you have no choice.
2: <laughs> this book follows Achilles, right? Do you know who Achilles is?
0: I sure, yes. F- famous hero, bad heel.
1: Brad right? Smith played him in the movie.
0: A- just to be clear, if I said yes, I, would that mean you wouldn't describe who Achilles is? Because you know this podcast isn't for me. It's for yeah. the people listening. <laughs> so you cotton. need to describe the things, regardless of whether I know them or not, or have internalized I, them.
2: I said famous Greek, bad heel. What else do you need to know? Like, that's, that's oh, the Achilles thing.
0: <laughs> it's crumbling like the Greek arms. <laughs> All right. Joseph, <laughs> okay, um, Nick uh, so we got achilles, a uh, really good warrior, mm-hmm. uh, really weak ankles, yes, <laughs> you, you got it, you <laughs> nailed it
2: this book follows him as he grows up, right starts with him as a young man um and his his companion Patroclus Patroclus here um. Follows him as he grows up, trains, goes off to fight the war of Troy and, like, the exploits that they have at Troy. Like, him going out and being Wacky a really good warrior and riding chariots and throwing spears through people's chests and just doing generally, like, heroic things. Um, and, well, and it, it, if you're on his side. If you're on his side. <laughs> it's very important that we say, if you're on his side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, generally heroic or warmongering genocidal things.
0: or genocide either one
1: yeah. he killed hector so, so it, and then he tied hector's mm-hmm. heels to his chariot and dragged him around the city a bunch of times to mock the trojans like a
2: like a bunch of times nick like a bunch of times to be fair in the book that's portrayed as one is his darkest hour yep that's fair <laughs> okay <laughs> uh, so so that's the story Nick, um if you're familiar with That can't with the- be the story.
0: Oh, so it is just his shenanigans uh genociding people. So um during war. Uh mm-hmm. so what okay. I'm sorry, is your book the character of your book is Achilles, or is this what the, the book is is rewritten and re reimagined? Yep.
2: The narrator of my book is Achilles' buddy, his 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 lover, his friend and then lover, uh Patroclus. Gotcha. Right. Gotcha. Um, it, the entire story is told through this character's eyes, is told through Patroclus's eyes as he tells you how amazing Achilles is and like how beautiful he is and how great at fighting he is, but how like that's the least interesting thing about him because he also like plays music beautifully and is really good at medicine and, and all this cool stuff. Right. And we get essentially a love letter to Achilles like it is this telling of their relationship and then Achilles eventual like like exploits and downfall through the eyes of the person on the planet who loves him the absolute most right like
0: that's the story of the song of Achilles classic I'm always interested in like kind of reimagined stories, especially mm-hmm. old ones. You know, because let's be honest here, folks. Everybody's just stealing from them anyway. So you <laughs> might as well just own <laughs> it. True. And Need uh, you know, material. kind of kind of own it a little bit. So anyway, mm-hmm. um oh, I just heard recently that uh I, I know maybe everybody knows this except me. That's <laughs> always possible. Uh that um the Lion King is just Hamlet. Yes. Oh, yeah. Ah, yeah. That's kind of mm-hmm. cool. Also strangely I mean, this
1: disappointing is, this is this is what I was talking about in, in my time with Allusion. like we were just repurposing what came before. And mm.
0: that's enough. That's
2: enough. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so like I well, and like this is such a repurposing. It's like my book you would not call an illusion. I mean, think it's,
0: it's just. Exp- <laughs> I'm looking at the cover and it's Achilles' helmet, so it's pretty it's like, on the nose. It's a
2: 400 page illusion.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so here's my question, Joe. Yeah. Um, how many like what 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 kind of creative liberties are happening? Do you have a good understanding of like the like the original story or part of the? story? Yes, yeah, so, like, so I have
2: an okay understanding of the original story, and I was curious enough as I was reading it that I would look things up, right? So like when Achilles did something really heroic in the book, I would kind of look up and be like, does that happen in the Iliad? I, I've, sure. I've never read the Iliad, I should say. I've taught the Odyssey many, many times, but I, I have not read the Iliad. Um, and, and for the most part, the stuff that happens in the book happens in the Iliad, right? It's part of the legend of Achilles that she then retells through the eyes of Patroclus. I really struggle saying his name, but I'm really good at it. Patroclus. So, like, we get this heroic retelling. And one of the things that's awesome about this book, like, one of the things I really, really like is... mm, We've talked about the Odyssey on this show before. And one of the things I always struggle with in the Odyssey is the main character, Odysseus, is, is... like. They spend so much time, Homer spends so much time telling you, this is Odysseus, and he's really clever and really cunning and really sneaky and really smart. But when you watch Odysseus, he never actually feels like that. Like he does things that I guess are like cunning or clever, but like you never feel it, if that makes sense. Ian, can you with me on this or no? Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll co-sign for now. watch yourself, Counselor. So reading Song of Achilles is kind of like writing, rewriting the Iliad through a modern sensibility, through a modern eye. Like one of the things I loved about this book is you see these characters that you know, right? You see Agamemnon, you see Menelaus, you see Odysseus, right? And they have a lot of screen time or they have a lot of time on the page. They have dialogue and they have actions and they seem like Petty, or in Odysseus's case, he seems like really tricky and really cunning and really clever. Like, there's a point where he does something, um, like, like about halfway through the book, and he tricks one of the main characters. And when he tricks the main character, you kind of go, Oh, damn, he just tricked me. Like, me, the reader, was just tricked by Odysseus. How cool is that? So, it one of the things the reasons I love this book is it really makes the characters that we know from the Iliad and the Odyssey feel like genuine people,
0: feel like interesting, deep people. So the retelling of, like, making the character gay, what is that, like, is that commented on in the book? Is that comment, do you know anything about, like, the author and why she did that, or yeah.
2: So I I know a handful of things about the author. Um, I know that she took about ten years to write this. Right, that she scrapped it about halfway through. By the way, ten years to write it is pretty good because that's like how long the Trojan War mm, was. Nice. So it's kind of nice. Hold well parallel. Yeah, yeah. She took about ten years to write it. She scrapped it entirely halfway through because she just said I couldn't get the tone right. Right, like I couldn't I couldn't capture the narrator's voice. I couldn't get him. I couldn't get him. I couldn't get him. Um, she. When you read the Iliad, my understanding is that Patroclus really comes across as kind of a minorish character. When you read Homer's the Iliad, kind of a minorish character. But um, some stuff happens to Patroclus that really like kicks off the final act of the book. Right? Like he's he's a minor character, but an instrumental character in the book, like a pivotal character. One of the things that she talks about is she says. I, well, and this is classic nerds for you. She said, when I was a little kid, my mom would read me the Iliad. Pretty good, right? Like, when I was a little kid, my mom would read me the Iliad. And she said, I was always fascinated by this Patroclus guy. Like, I couldn't figure out why, why Achilles was so upset when, well, guys, he mm-hmm. dies. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm spoiling, spoiling up. I'm well, very, very old still. Like, I couldn't figure out why Achilles was so upset when, um, when he died and then I got older, I started studying the classics and I started reading like Plato and, um, and, uh, Oh, I I can't say this name.
1: Aristotle. A Plato Schillis. too
2: a shilless, a skilless. And she said, I started reading this and a lot of classic, like Greeks, right? Many Greco-Roman authors read the relationship as a romantic one. It was a common and accepted interpretation. These are uh, these are Madeline Miller's words, not mine. It was a common and accepted interpretation in the ancient, ancient world. We even have a fragment from this old tragedy where Achilles speaks of his and Patroclus' frequent kisses. And there's a lot of support for the relationship. And she said, boy, Achilles' reaction makes a ton more sense if it was his lover, like if it was his husband, essentially that was the one dying, right? Like that kind of crystallizes the whole story. So that's the story I wrote. I wrote the love story of those two meeting. I wrote about them like coming up and training together. Um, and I ultimately wrote about Patroclus' death and how that precipitated the end, of the end of the Trojan War.
0: What do you think about the argument about like, um okay so for example the most popular one is uh like if you're gonna tell a story about uh like a black story you have to be mm. a black writer right mm-hmm. i always think we that's were just talking say. about this in i i think it's talking about this in class today. i think it's in the same realm of like separating the art from the artist sure
1: like is she allowed we to just tell we just had this conversation playlist. in class in class yeah. today and the the, the question is vin- ventriloquism
0: oh, what did you figure out <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we didn't. We didn't solve it. That's the thing. Dang. The question is ventriloquism and, and mm-hmm. the risk of taking a voice that's not yours. Like, is that good? Is that worth it's doing? A risk. It? Is it? Are you going to get canceled right. for it? She didn't. She made a lot of money, so that's
0: good for her, I guess.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: maybe she got it right, is what you're saying. Like, it's a risk.
2: Well, I will say, like, when you read this, it feels one of the things that you hear sometimes when you talk to people in the LGBTQ plus community and they, and you ask like, how do you want your character portrayed? Like, how do you want like this? I have this gay person or I have this trans person in my book or my movie or my podcast or whatever. It's a fictional thing. How do you want them portrayed? And one of the things you hear is them saying, well, what do you mean? We just want you to portray them like a normal person. Like this isn't a defining thing. And one of the things that I, love about this book is like when Patroclus is falling in love with Achilles, like it feels like you're falling in love with Achilles too. Like you get it. You get why Achilles is so handsome and so cool and so like blessed by the gods. And like you also fall in love with Achilles. Like it doesn't feel, it doesn't even feel commented upon in this book, right? Like it's just love. Like it's just love.
0: Hong Kong. Is that where your class netted? Dude? Yeah, we, we all, <laughs> as a class, we fell in
1: love with Achilles and um, we are his groupies now, I guess.
2: Nick, I, I only have one more thing to say and it's really oh. short. And, it's, it, and it's, it's something that I think you're going to like, okay? okay? I think you are specifically going to like this. Achilles has to go away for his training, okay? Like he has to go up to this mountain to, to, for his training. And Nick, Achilles is trained by a centaur
0: yeah that's pretty cool
2: I thought you would like that that's the last thing I have to say so it's it's it like love is love guys and Achilles is trained by a centaur you should definitely <laughs> read this book
0: Joe you lose oh uh, what yeah not by the merit <laughs> you, you, of your book you're going
2: read that poem bullshit
0: <laughs> wow it's shorter for one Joe I'll tell you that <laughs> i'll tell you joe you had a lot going for you um hubris it was greek there was a a horseman. Mm-hmm. uh it had it all but uh, the bravery it takes for ian to bring poetry <laughs> i don't know if i could stifle that <laughs> oh well if we're gonna um, be rewarded for bravery
2: we really can, uh, absolutely <laughs> if not
0: <laughs> if not then what else um so uh congratulations ian and um and congratulations, Rosetta Stone. All right.
2: Congratulations, Ian. Uh
0: Litheads, we
2: appreciate you. Um Litheads, by the way, I think you should definitely read Song of Achilles. Um since <laughs> That'll be enough out of you. Uh litheads, congratulations and litheads. Um, we if you want to support the show, one of the best things that you can do is head over to you don't know Lit suggest a theme, suggest a book. We read all of your suggestions and we read many of your books. Um, also head on over to the podcast player of your choice and uh leave a review. Uh five stars, if you please. Uh follow us on social media. We're everywhere that you would expect. Nick posts like pretty funny and great stuff. So it, if you're not there, you're missing out.
0: And Sometimes the, more than once a week, I'll post as well.
2: Yeah, very, so, free, very frequently. Not to
0: brag. All right, congratulations, Ian. Thank
1: you, uh, and thank you to um, Eschylus for being such a good guy in terms of all this stuff. I'm going to read you a passage. Some of the most. I'd like to start being thanked if you win, <laughs> Nick. Thank you, <laughs> thank you so much. I, I, thank you, I, Nick. I, thank I'm, you, Nick. I bow at your feet or whatever. Um, so I'm going to read a passage from, uh, early in the poem. Um, this is this is the internal monologue of the, the thoughts of Malin, who is our um, our veteran, the the one who has seen some things, and he, this is him talking about seeing some things. So this this is a passage where the the alliterative verse is very much in evidence, and also it's just simple. It's you, you understand what's happening in a really wonderful way. Auden was really good at balancing complete density with. Like, dense, difficult work with just the most beautiful, clear, simple stuff. So, Malin thought. Untalkative and tense, we took off, anxious into air. Our instruments glowed, dials in darkness for dawn was not yet. Pulses pounded, we approached our target, conscious in common of our closed here and of them out there thinking of us in a different dream, for we die in theirs who kill in ours, and become fathers, not twisting tracks their trigger hands are given goals by. We began our run. Death and damage darted at our will. Bullets were about. Blazing anger lunged from below, but we laid our eggs neatly in their nest. A nice deposit hatched in an instant. Houses flamed in shuddering sheets as we shed our big tears on their town. We turned to come back, but at high altitudes hostile brains waited in the west. A wily flock vowed to vengeance in the vast morning. A mild morning where no marriage was, and gravity a god greater than love. Fierce interferers, we fought them off, but paid a price. There was pain for some. Why have they killed me? wondered Bert our greenhouse gunner forgot our answer then was not with us we watched others drop into death dully we mourned each flare as it fell with a friend's lifetime while we hurried on to our home bases to the safe smells and a sacrament of tea with toast at 20 to 8 i stepped onto grass still with the living while far and near a fioritura of brooks and blackbirds bravely struck the international note with no sense of historic truth, of time meaning once and for all, and my watch stuttered. Many have perished, more will.